and welcome to Escaping Kasturbarus, the podcast where we rewatch, reminisce, and review everything Doctor Who from 2005 to present. My name is Rich, and I'm joined by someone who I'd love to destroy with my big baubles. It's Amy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I now, was I like... thought of that one quite a while ago. <laughs> I was sat here thinking... I wonder what it's going to be this time. I was thinking it would be maybe something like I'd like to drown under the Thames or something like that. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Wow. At least as much as I'm referring to the explosive baubles that were intending to kill, I was definitely going for the very, very, very rude uh, connotation connotation of that phrase. I don't want to destroy you or drown you i well, actually no thanks. i do i want to destroy i want to i want to drown you in love i want to destroy <laughs> that <laughs> moving on um <laughs> merry merry christmas, merry christmas i guess it's september merry christmas it is september season two of doctor who sorry series two i'm british come on rich series two of doctor who is done and dusted rose is dead but not oh, dead she's not. but she's kind of dead but she's not um the Doctor's feeling all sad and Donna Noble rocks the hell up in the TARDIS and all hell breaks loose. Yes, it's time yeah. for The Runaway Bride, broadcast on the 25th of December 2006, the second Christmas special Doctor Who ever did. David Tennant's second special and, of course, the first appearance of Catherine Tate as Donna Noble, a character we all eventually got to know and love because i think it's the best place to kick things off donna's a bitch question question who wrote the episode take a wild guess it was indeed okay i just couldn't remember for some reason we'll get we'll we'll get onto the the actual like the the narrative in a bit but the first things first for me personally with this episode is it reaffirms why i was so gutted and annoyed when they said Catherine Tate's back for season four as Donna mm-hmm. because she's a bitch. Yeah, I mean, sort of. I mean, <laughs> I sort of don't really know what to say about it because I quite enjoy the character. I think it's a nice, refreshing break from. Like, I'm not saying that Rose was bad by any stretch, but it's quite a nice change from it's the a, it's a permanency big of the love kind of um yeah what's the word i'm looking for like dynamic that we had for the last yeah. two series um and she comes in and she's all like oh spaceman or she hasn't said that <laughs> yet but you know what i mean um and i think it's quite a good nice change of pace because my English teacher told me to never say the word nice or lovely. But you know what I mean? Like, it's a good change of pace. You will be graded at the end of this podcast. Fab. Um, Expect a D (laughs) minus, lol. Wait, they don't grade in letters anymore. They grade in numbers. Uh, Expect a six, whatever that is, I don't know. Um, (laughs) Anyway. I just made a dick joke, and either you ignored it or you didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. I'm going to carry on. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah. I quite like I don't appreciate the fact that she's so inherently like rude to start with um but I do appreciate the fact that her character throughout the episode goes through a hefty personality shift from where she starts 
to where she ends because she starts off being very much like who are you where the hell is this place how are we slapping the doctor and being all kind of like oh my god you're so nasty to me and i'm gonna be a bitch and you know the fact that she doesn't um right at the start she obviously picks up rose's jacket and is all oh i knew it who else have you got kidnapped and whatever and she just doesn't pick up on the fact that he's clearly um upset by it until she sort of stops and is like hang on a minute am i crossing a line and then throughout the episode you just see her progressively get like more and more in tune with him and she then calms down a bit which yeah i think then kind of leads the way into her being donna as we then know her in the later yeah, series it's definitely not like necessarily a stark change between runaway bride donna and series four donna um there is a bit of that progression but i i still think there is this this uh, this horrid arrogance mm. that when you look back in retrospect you can kind of i guess appreciate more as to how she is and, and there's always that there, there's there's comfort in the knowledge that she doesn't remain like this as a character in doctor who she becomes so much better um but i suppose at the time still, we didn't know that it doesn't take it, well, yeah we didn't know that and but it, it doesn't take away the fact that i i don't like her in this episode that's like, totally fair not only as not only as like a character like i i like i dislike donna noble Mm-hmm. as a person i guess but i just i just don't like seeing her in general in this in this episode mm. it's 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 bad because people people really really like donna and i can appreciate it more now i used to very much still be after series four aired for the first time in 2008 mm-hmm. like i i didn't enjoy it because it had donna in it back in 2008 Simple as I was very uh, stubborn I, in my ways then. I always quite but... enjoyed Donna as a character. Like when I first saw Catherine Tate, it was a bit weird and a bit kind of jarring because although mm. I'd not ever really we watched... We all knew her as uh, Lauren Cooper and I Nan. mean, to be fair, I'd never really watched the Catherine Tate show. So it wasn't like I already fair had enough. a character that I sort of knew her to play. But it was more that I had seen her from other things um and so i think it was the first time that a since probably doctor who's reconception in 2005 correct me if i'm wrong because i probably am but the first time they'd got a quote-unquote celebrity in as a role is that right um since 2005 I mean, I mean, I say quote unquote celebrity because I'm using that in the loosest sense, but like somebody slightly more well known. It's sort of leaning. It's, it's leaning more on a celebrity guest. Yeah, because but it's not the supposed of, you know, to be Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. But but what I mean yeah, is yeah. I get, so other I get than what you mean. other than Simon Pegg, which again was kind of a little bit jarring back when I first watched. I mean, it because, 2005 oh God, Simon, Simon Pegg is nowhere near as big as current uh-uh. Simon Pegg. But I mean, like, what year was Shaun of the Dead? Was that 2004? I'm gonna check but um, but for me, it felt a little bit jarring because I knew who she was, and she was the first kind of like slightly higher profile actor actress that they'd had yeah. in to play a role. And so I think the first time I watched it, it took me a little bit of time to get past. Oh, it's Catherine Tate, as opposed to it's Donna Noble. Yeah. Um, 
but I really do like Donna's character. I think she's fun. I think she's kind of brings a different energy to it. And as I've probably mentioned a million times, I don't particularly like Martha. So the change yeah. from it went from kind of like this super lovey-dovey thing with Rose to them like being best friends to a quick brisk of Donna to then Martha, who is basically trying to be Rose 2.0, but is never, ever going to be Rose 2.0. And I just don't care for Martha's like progression as a character. I mean, I'm getting a bit too ahead yeah. of myself for the thing. But I was going to say, we'll save that for when we get around to What it. I'm saying is, I quite enjoyed Donna in this episode because she's different and after watching it uh, like a fair few times throughout all my life of rewatching the series i don't see Catherine tate anymore i see donna noble no yeah and that that goes to show how good she got at being mm-hmm. this character and how how loved she was but yeah i guess that's our first sort of position to disagree on with this episode i you know i get yeah she brings a different energy and you're right that juxtaposition of the the lovey-dovey comfortable nature that the doctor had with rose and then all of a sudden we have this this loud this brash this abrasive character coming out of the blue it's kind of like it felt at first i mean this was still i guess russell finding his feet with this character because when you look at series four you have um that there are the you get the best of both worlds you get the 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 abrasive not so much abrasive anymore the loud yeah loud and proud donna noble says what she thinks basically has no filter and that's brilliant but you get the you get the moments you know you get that glimmer of of of, of series four donna of who what i'd say to be the true donna yeah come the end of the episode when she's telling the doctor to stop like that's that's a quality that donna has and yeah she's definitely. bang on with that and that's what makes her so good mm-hmm. but like the rest of the time she's just i I don't know. It feels like an uphill struggle watching her sometimes. It's kind of like you're, you know, what I have realized. What I was going to say. What realized what I was getting to. Like Russell nails the. You're meant to like this character in series four. Mm-hmm. He doesn't in Chris in Sonic Christmas Invasion Runaway Bride. I think My. it takes a little bit of time. The ending when she's always when she's suddenly really nice and I get that she's been through a lot, like. But there's still a bit like, I don't know, it doesn't, maybe this is just me. Maybe this is me harking back to how I felt in 2006 watching this and just thinking, what on earth am I watching? And I do not (laughs) like this character. But I I feel like it doesn't, it doesn't feel as sort of natural. I think if Donna had maybe taken a little more of a, um, I wouldn't say necessarily an interest because she is interested in in Rose, who Mm. Rose was, because she keeps asking the question and it ends with the question. I feel like if, for example, her her mind was changed about the Doctor in, in a in a bit more of an explicit way, a bit more of a fleshed out way than what it was. Yeah. Maybe I could maybe I could appreciate her sort of change of heart throughout the course of the episode. And as you said, she goes through a hell of a lot mm-hmm. in this episode. A lot of stuff happens to her, so you could you can't really blame her for being very like volatile. Yeah. But I I think if they gave her a little bit more time to to be with this this very broken doctor you get glimmers of it mm. but it doesn't seem like it haunts him as much as i uh, i know that it's a christmas special i know that it's big and wacky which we'll get to yeah but i, I you, you get the glimmers of it but i feel like to, to make her arc in that episode alone work a little bit better i think they could have lent on 
where the doctor was and her really getting to appreciate what happens yeah and maybe that would make her trust him more i do agree and i think and i get that's probably a lot to ask to fit into what is it an hour well that's exactly what i was just about to say um i think you gotta remember that this is the first time that Equ- uh, jesus christ equiston not equiston but da- <laughs> that russell t davies is writing a christmas special with a guest character because we see it a lot from this point on where the Christmas specials focus mainly around something completely outside of the story. Whereas the first Christmas special... Yeah, yeah. But the first Christmas special we had was just kind of an extension of the story and it was getting to know um, David's Doctor. So we got that opportunity to play around with the character a lot more because we knew that his character was going to continue onwards. Whereas with Donna... In this episode, she was supposed to just be a one-episode character. Like, she wasn't really planned to be Donna Noble for a foreseeable future. And so maybe we're seeing it from a hindsight perspective of knowing that she becomes a more prominent character. But at the time of Russell writing this episode, he was probably thinking he just needed to pack in kind of the wackiness and silliness, get us to know Donna's character really quickly. And progress from that point onwards rather than us getting to know donna as a person more thoroughly yeah that's true in that episode um but i said to you as well when we were watching that i think the reason why they don't dwell on his sort of um what's the word i'm looking for why they don't sort of dwell on his sadness as much as they probably could have done is because it sort of feels like to the audience like you are experiencing a breakup like a very severe difficult breakup with a partner alongside the doctor because essentially he's lost the love of his life like he can never see her again and it's all quite depressing but that's not what a christmas special is a christmas special isn't depressing a christmas special is supposed to be fun and quirky but russell has this really like sort of in tune way of weaving those little elements of the doctor's grief into the script and the episode in a way that you obviously see the flashes of it like when he's at the party and he's picturing him and rose dancing together not dancing together but like her collapsing and him catching her and that kind of thing from um new new earth um you sort of see that glimmer of like him dwelling on it but he always is trying to pull himself back to the present. Like when they're sat on the rooftop and she says, who was she? And he just completely ignores the question because he's trying to focus on the present, not so much the past. Um, Because as well, what you've got to remember is that the Doctor's character goes on from here and obviously has that whole thing with Martha about like who Rose was and how you see it in the upcoming trailer, like where he says, you're not replacing her. And Martha's like, I never said I was. And so we get that progression of the Doctor's sort of... Um, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for here? I always get lost on words. But basically the progression <laughs> of his emotional state from losing Rose to progressing past that. And so this is the first time that we as the audience have seen him since he lost her. So the hints to it are there. We know it's there. Yeah. But I think the whole purpose of donna not being quite so invested is to maybe lead the audience into we're starting to get something new and like we're not dwelling on the fact that rose is gone because 
as, it's like yeah we don't have time anymore yeah basically, basically. like yeah. she's gone well, she's done with she's left we need to move on and so i think he does it really cleverly in the fact that he kind of leads the audience through this like breakup with the doctor and yeah you kind of get that at the end when donna says what was her name and the doctor finally answers her and is like oh her name was rose but he literally says like yeah. not much more than that like you know every time he talks about her, he kind of has to bring himself back to the present and i think in those moments donna does handle that quite well um but then for the majority of the episode, you just get a fun, quirky Christmas episode. And I think that's why Donna's character yeah. was so brash, because you needed that stark contrast to be able to kind of force you back away from that, like, rose, depressive pit. Does that yeah. make sense? It very much does. And I, yeah, you've definitely sort of completely overtaken everything I've said and <laughs> made me feel stupid. No, so. but you're allowed to have your own opinion. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But anyway, okay, let's let's quickly talk about the story itself then and the silliness. Because, you know, when we talked about the Christmas invasion, um, it is a big silly episode. Oh, and definitely. it's it's one of the best it's one of the best things about it. You know, it's it's a Christmas special. It's not necessarily part of the series. The only time we really had a Christmas special that well at least that I can think of, at least properly like that, that really ties into what is going on in the grand scheme of the universe was end of time part one david tennant's penultimate episode yes with wilf and the master and so mm-hmm. on um like most of the time they are just big silly things and if you've watched christmas specials going through to the most recent christmas special which would have been uh twice upon a time years ago probably longer than that four years ago Something like that. It was Capaldi's last special was the last Christmas special. They're, they're very hit and miss, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to say it, but a pro- the vast majority of Matt Smith's Christmas specials were pretty bad. Apart um, from A Christmas Carol, which was dope. Apart from A Christmas Carol, his first one, which is one <laughs> of the best, and then the rest of them are completely terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, the Runaway Bride leans into that wackiness more, Donna being a very big part of it. Um... And I don't mind the wackiness. There's, there are some sort of cringy moments, but again, it's designed for Christmas viewing. The girl screaming at the bolt of lightning that's moving about. You know, it's like the Austin Powers skit of the Where guy the going, lasers going really with the steamroller really, really slowly going towards him. Um, it's just kind of a about? bit awkward. Sure. Austin Powers, the, the guy who's like, uh, he's being ro- chased down by a steamroller that's moving really slowly. Uh, and he's just stood there going, ah, and it just slowly crushes him. I don't think I've seen that, but yeah, okay. I see your okay. point. I don't know whether that's whether that's gold member or... All I can picture is the really, remember. really slow moving laser that's going to chop him in half and gets progressively closer to his nuts. <laughs> I think that's just... A, I don't, do they do that in Austin Powers? I'm sure they did, general... because they really focused I know on it's the fact just a that he was going to cut his trope. balls in half. <laughs> Because like they do it in they do it in itchy and scratchy they do it in you only move twice. Both oh, I, I know it was a James Bond thing, obviously, been, but I'm pretty yeah, sure they focused on it in Austin I mean, Powers. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't sound out of place in Austin Powers, but anyway. But no, I know um, what you mean because I stood there and went, "Oh yeah, girl, why don't you just stand there and scream yeah, at right. it? That's gonna stop it." <laughs> I, I think the the story in this one is a bit. <sighs> It's a bit, I would say weird, because weird's not the right word, because it's, it's Doctor Who, it is weird. No, but I think it feels a little bit something... disjointed. Yes. 
That's the and word it, you're looking I think for. The, I think the thing that sets this apart, because I'm going I'm to come right out and say it, Christmas Invasion is better than Runaway Bride. Oh, absolutely. That's not even a question. I think one of the main reasons why it feels so different to what came before is because the sense of peril is minute in the grand scheme of things. It's it's a story, apart from at the end, when the Christmas star comes down and starts zapping little girls very slowly. <laughs> All the peril is based upon Donna, and that's it. Yeah. I know that, obviously, the, the, the Rachnos coming back and devouring everything, which, you know, obviously isn't going to happen, but it's like none of that that is such a late addition to the whole plot mm. that it doesn't feel like it's a big deal it whereas feels the christmas invasion came straight in yeah christmas invasion came straight in and went hey guys the entire bloody world is in danger yeah and i think that's why christmas invasion works so well because they weren't introducing new cat i mean they were introducing a new character it was david tennant's debut but mm-hmm. it's like because they didn't have a whole other character that we needed to to know because it's you know it's the doctor there's there's some extent we know at least a good half of the character the remaining half is always specific to each iteration of the doctor yeah. mm-hmm. they could go bigger with the with the threats whereas with this they kind of couldn't yeah and i sort of and it feel does like... feel like it it jumps around a bit and it's just a bit like eh? and yeah, a lot it... of the plot stuff as we discovered a lot of the sort of minute plot details we barely even remembered yeah there's like i was gonna say that there's like points throughout it that I was thinking, yeah, but like, what's the point of that though? Yeah, but like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that have to do with anything? And yes, it's explained in some sort of a way. To some um, extent. But I just, I would like to point out one thing to people who are listening. When we watch these, we're watching them on the Blu-rays and for some reason they've done yeah. a very bad job of mixing the audio. And so sometimes we can literally like not hear what's being said in the dialogue because the background music is so mm. loud. So there are some key if points else, that we missed. <laughs> if there's anyone listening who has, because uh, I'm in the process of collecting all the new steelbooks that they started back in like 2017, 2018, um, and they've just released season eight so Capaldi's first series, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just constantly refreshing, waiting for the next one because I don't want to miss them because they're not they're not on sale very long. Um, yeah, series one and so far the series three box set have had pretty iffy audio, like all the background music swallows up the dialogue. Series two is okay, mm. and I think towards the end of series one it was a bit better, but it just for some reason the mix just feels really off. But then again, so, we've had you've had that with like the Tangled series on Disney Plus, yeah. where the mix is really bad. I don't know. Sometimes I think it's just things don't really either they don't come through our telly properly <laughs> or it's the DVDs or whatever. But well, no, because we still have that problem with our old TV. Oh, so, true. but I it's think more than likely going to be the the Blu-ray. Yeah, but anyway, but anyway back yeah. to the point. My point was is that. If there are any key points of the plot that we might have missed because we didn't quite hear them, then apologies if this point is obviously null and void. (laughs) But like, it seemed to me like a lot of the stuff that was becoming a key point was never quite rounded off properly. So like the Huon particles... He obviously was like, oh, yes, of course, your wedding day, blah, 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 this, that, and the other, loads of emotions, etc. And then it just kind of ends with a slap and she's like is it dangerous and it doesn't really sort of get explained like why did torchwood build a base under the thames yeah why, why is that a thing like what did they because i said like, you did they anticipate that this was gonna happen or did they just 
build a lab for no reason and it just happens to be that the doctor can conveniently flood it like it just seems to it's be like a <laughs> plot device <laughs> yeah it's like a deus ex machina yeah almost it's it's like why why would torchwood build i mean if they're building a lab under the thames i was like yes probably probably because you wouldn't really look Mm-hmm. under the Thames, I guess, for a secret lab, as much as it makes a lot of sense in, like, supervillain terms. Um, but yeah, experimenting with Huon particles, it's kind of like, yeah, but why? Because it's not explained yeah. as to why they're they're putting Huon particles into liquid form, and then it's not explained as to why there is a tunnel to the middle of the Earth. Did the Rachnos take over Torchwood secretly, or is, is it just Lance under her control? Yeah, literally, because, like, so... like, there's no staff there. Where did the staff go? Did she eat them well, all? Well, obviously, the Torchwood, Torchwood is done. or to- At this point in time, Torchwood is done. But it's not, um, though, because he Captain says... Obviously, Captain Jack's Torchwood is, is well, kind of there, kind of not. Like, but cause the, it's, a, it's a rebirth of it. Doesn't the Doctor say, oh, Torchwood got finished in the Battle of Canary Wharf, but somebody continued it on. So if somebody continued it on and boat... And boat? What was that word? Built H.C. Clements to mask the fact that Torchwood was under the earth or under the Thames then why is there no staff? Did she eat them all? Or was, that's it, or what was the whole HC Clements doing security and their logo because they keep talking about how the person who's you know saturated in Huon particles is the key as just yeah. some kind of like here's a here's a plot thing you saw that you can now reference and be like oh it's all clever mm-hmm. it's like it it does feel a little bit all over the place this episode and it's 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 kind of a shame i don't want to say it but then they, I, I you know i say that I, I you know i say it's kind of a shame it's like an almost like an autopilot thing apart from probably donna it doesn't feel like there's much you could really salvage out of this it's a bit of a no. mess and the rat it's not like an un, it's not an unwatchable mess like no. orphan 55 <laughs> but it's like it is it is a bit of a mess but yeah okay the Rachnos. yeah the empress of the Rachnos. let's talk I, about I mean, how I, awkward I, she I, makes me I, feel <laughs> i've never liked how that character is portrayed by Mm-mm. sarah Parrish. But watching it again, it is insufferably it's bad. It's awful, isn't it? And I said to you, I'm just concerned about how much she must have been spitting over everything because of the whole <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry for that noise. But it's just, <laughs> re- it makes me feel like I need to constantly be swallowing because I'm worried about how much saliva I'm producing. And it's like, it feels disgusting. It feels cringe. And she kind of feels like... um a caricature of a typical Doctor Who villain because the Doctor Who villains are always quite, um, you know, they're... Larger than life. Yeah, but in terms of, like, some of them are obviously quite... uh, I want to say down-to-earth, lol, most of them are aliens, but what I mean is... A lot of the villains or slash monsters of the week in Doctor Who don't seem kind of inconceivable that that would be like, you know, okay, possible, lol, obviously it's a fiction show. But do you know what I mean by that? Like, they're all kind of like, I can see them, like, I can, suspension of disbelief is basically what I'm saying there. Whereas with the Ragnars... Yeah the empress of the Ragnos. i can only see a woman in a big costume 
acting like overacting this monster of the week like it feels very cartoonish very oh we need it to be a family show this week so let's make her big and flamboyant and red and scary with fangs it's christmas let's go all basically yeah whereas i think i'd have much preferred it if the villain of the week was just the santa robots (laughs) i think in if you compared it to the the Ragnos as a whole then yeah but i think obviously being just the santa robots wouldn't have made much sense it needs some kind of justification but but then and i see what you mean do you not like what was the whole point of donna kind of like i said to you didn't i i said what was the point of feeding donna huon particles over six months if they can just force feed it to lance in two minutes what was that about It, it, it doesn't make much sense there's a lot of there are a lot of holes to pick in it and i think if it were performed well, you probably wouldn't think much of it, and you go, "Yeah, it's Doctor Who. Screw it. It's it's silly. It's big. Mm-hmm. It's, it's dumb, that's what I mean. Suspension of disbelief. But it's because of the way that things are portrayed. I think obviously this iteration of Donna probably doesn't help matters, mm. and the, the the Empress of the Ragnos especially doesn't. Like it's just it was just so cringy watching her talk, and it's like I I I believe as far as I know that she's a very good actress. Mm. Oh, I don't but doubt that. But it's just like what what was what was that? My my thoughts will always go back to Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror from series twelve. Yeah. You had the Skithra and you had um I can't remember her name, I'm gonna butcher it probably. Um Angel Angeli Mohindra played the Queen. She used to be in um Sarah Jane Adventures playing Rani. Oh right, okay. She's also uh, in a relationship with Sasha Dwan okay fair enough and is also really hot but basically okay she played this very very rachnos like character yeah. in nikola tesla's because i'm pretty sure i it thought wasn't... it was the rachnos when we were first i think a lot it. of us did think it was the rachnos and i've just very quickly checked the, t- the tardis wiki because i couldn't remember whether they made any kind of reference to the rachnos mm-hmm. in the same way that you've got like um the absorber was in sort of tied into Rex Corrocophalopatorius in some way. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe there was something to do with the um, the, the Ragnos, but there's not. No. But it's like that that kind of character, like as Nicola Tesla's Night of Terror, was all right. Wasn't I enjoyed it. Um, but the way that that character was done, it was this this leader of a very big, you know, Arachnidi style. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not they're not spiders, they're scorpions, but like that kind of style race and it was actually pretty good and she performed it well because those i can always picture this one scene which kind of like snaps and like hisses and stuff in yeah. nicholas Tesla's night of terror and it's done on the sly because they do lean into the fact that there's this sort of humanoid um approach i want to say she was like fully humanoid with like with with a tail maybe i can't remember exactly i, don't know. Top of my head. I can't remember but it wasn't anywhere anything near as weird as the Empress of the Ragnos, no. who looks like a Dark Souls boss. There's literally yeah, a, a Dark bit. Souls boss, which mm-hmm. is a big spider, but the, the the torso of the woman is like naked and very attractive, which right. is that weird anyway. Of course. Um, that is that is if they if if you know, it's amazing to take an episode that's from the Chibnall era and make say, what if they did it like this and it would have probably been better? Yeah. But like the Skithra, I felt at least the Queen of the Queen Skithra was done better. In that, in 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 arguably that same kind of position, mm-hmm. or that same kind of makeup, that same kind of performance, compared to how the Empress of the Ragnos was done. Yeah, and that, 
is one of the big the sort other of, thing, oh, goodness me, this isn't great things. The about. other thing I found kind of jarring with this episode is her spaceship was basically just put into the episode to be, it's a Christmas star. And, like, had yeah. no other purpose whatsoever. Because when she's first introduced, you get this backwards shot of the of her in her web thing. And she's, like, pointing at the Doctor. And she's all like, you, man, spaceman, bride. And <laughs> it's like, I don't really understand the point. Like, that didn't need to happen. He could have just said, oh, it's off Earth. And we could have seen her point at the screen, but we didn't need that shot of behind her with the, the web or any of that rubbish. They could have, they could have maybe done more with like spider webs through yeah. the course of like the areas they were searching uh-huh. for. And lent, like, cause the, the idea of unseen spidery things, like look at say as much as kill the moon is a bit of a, eh, arachnids fest, in the, the whole, UK. The sort of, yeah, Arachnids <laughs> in the UK and Kill the Moon's like spidery style anti-bacteria things on the yeah. moon. Like that was more freaky because it was it was implying it was it's unknown, not those with yeah. this. They just went, bada boom. Here's what here's is very clearly spider. a spider. You don't you can't tell that she's got this humanoid like Mm-mm. torso, but still. Yeah, but it just kind um, of feels like they literally put it in so that they could have that one child go. It's a Christmas miracle or whatever it was she bloody said. Um, and like, because yeah, okay, she does the whole kill the humans, turn them to meat or whatever, but I'm pretty sure you don't need to obliterate the humans before you eat them, because if you're obliterating them before you eat them, you're going to have nothing to eat. So what, what are you, why are you vaporizing them? What's the point of that? And the whole thing at the end, the whole point of Donna telling the doctor to stop was so he didn't kill her because he could have easily just killed the Ragnos on the spot. He basically drowned all her children. But also, how does the Thames fill a hole to the centre of the earth? That wouldn't happen. But more to the point, it's like, what was the whole point of Donna needing to stop him before he killed her if the resolution to this episode was the Doctor just running away while some tanks blew up the spaceship. Like, literally, they could have had the ending to this episode be that the Rachnos decided that actually she was going to... Like, her ki- her children were all dead, there was no hope for her ever rescuing them, that she was just going to go and live out her days on another planet and do whatever. But they decided to bring out the tanks and blow up the spaceship because the spaceship had By already order been introduced. Of Mr. Saxon. Yeah, okay, maybe that was why they threw it in. But more to the point, why? Like the spaceship was not necessary in this whole plot. You could have cut out that entire scene with everyone on the street running around screaming and it would have still been the same episode. Because I feel like you got enough panic out of Donna's family for the whole episode you didn't need the the general public crying and screaming like we had in the last christmas special because we've done that already it's it's like we get it the threat could be to us fantastic let's carry on do you know what i mean yeah like the whole spaceship thing wasn't it's really a, it's necessary. just 
it's just a bit of a mess overall. And I, it's one of those things where like, I kind of remembered the, the, you know, the, the rough plot of Donna being poisoned by Lance and the Ragnos and then the, the children are drowned and she gets blown up and that's about it. But yeah, the intricacies just, it, it, may, it gives it more holes to pick apart. And that's what we do on this podcast. We pick it apart. Yeah, basically. So it's like, it's not, as I said, it's not one of those specials that I look back at and think, ah, oh, you know, I can put I can put that wackiness away because it's Doctor Who. Like, I can do that with Love and Monsters as a, as a recent example. You know, there's a lot about that I think you could salvage and turn into something genuinely good. Mm-hmm. With this one, eh, not so much. It would probably need a, a full rework. And it's... I'd argue that it's one of the weaker stories that's that Russell has written, yeah. at least thus far. Definitely. Um, which, as said, is a shame. It's a Christmas special. Okay, what's exactly worse, this or Fear Her? Events. Oh, Fear Her. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Glad yeah, we're on the same I'd page. I'd say Fear Her is probably worse than this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, a bit of, it's a bit of a shame. Honestly, right, I've just been doing some research very, very quickly, looking at some, some story notes about Runaway Bride, because when... The Ragnos asks where the Doctor's from, and the Doctor says Gallifrey. You said, "Is this the first time he says it?" Yes. And you are right. It is the first time I it's said it in the revival era. Because, as far as I'm aware, I Eccleston couldn't remember whether he'd mentioned it. it in the series too. Yeah, Eccleston no. never says it. And so, I don't think Rose ever actually found out where he was from, did she? Or did she? She didn't. I mean, maybe. Or did he ever mention? I don't think he mentioned his planet, but he mentioned the Time Lords, obviously, didn't he? Did he tell yeah, about the I time war? I want to say, done? yeah, I assume so. Because we yeah, know it about be. it by this point, don't we? So, yes. Well, yeah, he literally tells about. I mean, he, yeah, Eccleston tells about the time war. Mm-hmm. But even if it doesn't, it does mention the the time war by name. But but yeah. it just made me think that, that is the that first it was, time Gallifrey is mentioned because the way he said it was so poignant, and they gave it so much emphasis on that single word. Like he literally stops and goes. Gallifrey, and it was very like. Well, it oh. would have. It, it was the first time it had been said on screen since yeah. probably 1996, and that's so what made me realise it probably was the first time it had been said because of the fact yeah. that they gave it so much weight. And then she goes, "You destroyed the Ragnos before. Where was that plot point? Why did we need to? What? Well, like, how is that relevant to? Is it just so she gets all frightened and scared and is all like, oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> I think this is where they're going to really start. I mean, obviously with what is to come, they're going to start leaning more on what came before mm-hmm. and referencing Gallifrey and the and the time war and stuff. So they had to sort of finally bite the bullet, plant that seed and obviously doing it at a Christmas special is a pretty big one. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, it kind it, of starts... It's a good place to do it, but... It starts feeding into a little bit of where we start to see Tennant's Doctor becoming more of that character that eventually morphs into who he is. No spoilers, but, like, who his character becomes towards the very end of Tennant's run and then into Matt Smith's kind of god complex. Like, this is the very first time we hear anybody mention how terrified they are of the yeah. Time Lords and Gallifrey. Something we'll get to when we get towards 2009, you know, that that god complex is done magnificently with Tennant. Yes. And it's not done very well with Matt Smith. But anyway, no. in, in regards to um, some fun facts about the episode yeah, please that I've me. just been reminded of, um, these are things I mentioned to Amy during the, um, during the episode. These aren't things I'm just randomly reading off 
uh, an article on the Doctor Who wiki. Um, first things first, this is the first time in uh, the new series that the Doctor Who logo in the title sequence has that same sort of texture as the logo is, appears in all of its branding. Because in if you watch series one and two, the Doctor Who logo has this sort of bronze, brassy, yes. metal texture. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, it's almost like they've stuck over the texture they use, that sort of fiery brown to red to yellow um, on the actual title sequence. So this is like a fu- almost like a, not a fully remade sequence, but they replaced the logo at yeah. least with this with this new one, um, which is interesting, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, another thing is the, like the point you. when the Doctor... It is indeed. Uh, now, this is something that was that was shown in in Doctor Who Confidential back in the day. It might be on the uh, the cut down. We'll have to find out. Um, but I remember seeing this, and it's always stuck with me. The point when Tennant zaps the ATM and shoots money out all over, all over the street to distract the, or to get away from the Santas. All of those banknotes, obviously, are fake. Yeah, and they have to be clearly, clearly, clearly fake, but convincing enough as a as a quick glance on screen to look right. So. What they did is they made a bunch of £10 and £20 notes. And on the £10 note, instead of the Queen, it's David Tennant. And in, on the £20 notes, instead of uh, the Queen, it is Phil Collinson, one of the producers, uh, on the notes. I and bet they, you. Yeah, they, they made loads and loads and loads of those. Someone somewhere. And I wonder if you can... Were you going to say someone somewhere has one? Because, like... Some, I mean, people are going to bounce. They made thousands of them, so people yeah. are going to have them. And I Someone bet you somewhere would they were have bought selling it them off as, like, a collector's memorabilia. website or something. Like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lie a bit now. I did read this very quickly on this wiki page, but this is something interesting. There were a bunch of scenes cut from this, because obviously with a, with a longer runtime of, of 60, I believe it is 60 minutes. Yeah, the Christmas um, specials are usually a little it was, bit longer. Yes. Yeah, um they they would have cut more scenes because you know they get to write they've got a bit more wiggle room russell had a bit more wiggle room to write more and so a bunch of scenes were cut and one of them was um the doctor and donna getting back to the wedding reception because obviously you see them sat on the roof and then it just cuts to the reception um and there was a scene where they where the doctor and donna got a bus oh. and on the bus they were going to bring back Mrs. Crute from Love and Monsters Mrs. to just Crute. be on the bus as another cameo. Which one was she? Mrs. Crute. She is the woman who tells Elton Pope who Rose is. And she's also the woman who played the aunt in the Basil Brush show that we talked about. Oh, her, yes. After we watched yeah. Love and Monsters. So she uh-huh. was going to come back in this episode as like a quick cameo on a bus. But that shot got... It got, it got shot, but it was cut. Cries. So... You know, she's done a lot. Uh, Bella Emberg, her name was. Uh, she has done a lot in her somewhere. career, but she will always be to me the aunt in the Basil Brush show. Oh, but we've, we've, we've gushed on about the Basil Brush show in a couple of episodes <laughs> ago, so we won't, we won't go on about that. Um, but yeah, so. Do we have Runway any questions? Bride is an interesting beast. Yeah, that's what I was going to just check. It's, it's, it's a bit of a flimsy one. It's a bit all over the place. Donna hasn't really been nailed down yet, but why would she be? Because as from what I can see, I don't think there were plans to that it was it was nailed down that she was going to be a companion after series three. Mm-hmm. Did which by Martha this point, only by the do looks one of it, series. She did, but she appears in series four. Yeah. I for some reason I and always then she picture did. that Martha does more than one series. I think it's because there's so much of her in 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 she she literally appears in series four yeah twice uh huh 
halfway through and then at the end and then she does she does like half a series of Torchwood because she's in series two so it's like she's she's actually quite omnipresent in Doctor Who um, over the course of about two years which I think is kind of cool that this companion kind of comes and leaves on her own terms yeah definitely um, but still kind of sticks around I I like that about Mm. Martha's character and how she's still present in the Hooniverse and also she's doing Big Finish now Yes. Uh, free Marjamin. So and it's going to be exploring the year the, the year that never was, which is going to be interesting. Oh, the, but the, uh, anyway, yeah. yes. Yeah, questions, 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 questions. Um Misha asks, there are a lot of people out there in the fandom who think Donna would have been a good companion for Nine and that they would have gotten along well. What are your thoughts on this? No. No, no, I no, think no, that no, Donna no, no. would <laughs> Donna would raise her voice at Nine once and nine would cut her down to flipping size yeah i mean i'm not being funny but the reason it works so well with tenant is because he has that whimsical comical response to it awkwardness at times yeah as well eccleston would have just slapped her right back and would have just been like Eccleston's comedic moments are brilliant. Yeah, but they're comedic the because that doctor, but he's more sarcastic. They they... They're not comedic and because works, he's, it... he's funny, funny. He's a solo act. Yeah. Whereas yeah. The, the tenant needs a partner to kind of bounce off for that, and Donna and Tenant work quite well because of that kind of like duo thing that they have going on. I just can't imagine Donna shouting at Eccleston because, like you said, Eccleston would have just cut her down to size straight away and then the whole pairing would have just been kind of them bickering because I just can't see them getting on at all. It it wouldn't have made for good viewing. I think that if if, if they were... Imagine like they were were friends already. Like Mm -hmm. you were introduced to Donna, the Doctor having known her for years at this point. They could be one of those characters where they bring it in and they just mouth off at each other, mouth off, mouth off, mouth off, and they just sort of start laughing about it. Yeah. And it's like, ah, we're taking the piss, we're kidding. We're actually really good friends, but we will genuinely cut each other's heads off if we have to. Uh-huh. Like, that's probably the only way that dynamic would work. And in the space of obviously one series, you know, hypothetically at this point, it just would not have worked. I think it would have been a bit much, to be honest, because, like, the reason that Rose works so well with Eccleston is because she was able to give him a reality check from time to time but it was more mm-hmm. he in was in the same like, way donna does for tenant yeah it was more like a fatherly figure for eccleston to be like sort of loving rose like she i think as much as she loved him she loved him more like a sort of love for a family member to start with and then when he became fit she was like hmm i love yeah. a piece of you are you saying are you saying eccleston isn't fit no i'm saying that for rose she was quite young um yeah so it would be a bit weird it's definitely it's definitely like, the it's definitely the case that the doctor fell for rose first yes absolutely but 100 million percent it's i think to be trying to put that fatherly figure with donna's character nah it don't work like it wouldn't no. work and i speaking of fatherly figures donna has a dad in this episode yes i just i just checked up on that because we were like hang on a minute donna's dad isn't around in he's, series four. i'm pretty sure he's gone or dead it's because the actor did die oh um, during uh they, i think they'd shot some of the opening of series four 
uh and with this actor yeah uh, his name was howard atfield right um but he died uh before series four or the, like there must be really early on in series four's production which is why he was then replaced with wilf as oh, the grandfather which is I why you see. don't see wilf in christmas invasion and i you know as, as sad as that is that that howard atfield passed away we before got series four got into it. production we got wilf out of it mm-hmm. who is arguably 10 times if i better. had to rank the com- if i had to rank all the companions of new who wilf is the top oh wilf <laughs> no is question. up there like wilf is god tier i mean i mean it's uh, almost uh, worth suffering through donna to get wilf <laughs> in a uh, way do you know what that's as harsh as that sounds it is kind of fair bernard cribbins <laughs> is an absolute treasure. oh he's a saint so and if you if you are watching this for the first time just you wait oh. until we get to voyage of the damned and you get to meet will for the oh first God, time i'm so excited um but and yeah if you want to see was... him now go watch go watch invasion earth 2150 ad the, the peter cushing sequel because he's in that as, as tom a policeman who travels with the doctor it's it's amazing. Um, um but yeah i just thought i'd bring but yeah, up. in answer to your question misha yeah that's probably Not wouldn't really work thing. i think mean, there's, there's an element of there's an element of series four donna that would but i think one of the the key parts of her character just would not click with nine unfortunately no they're too similar john john is putting across not a question but says thank god the fixer in series four yeah, <laughs> she was insufferable in this episode yeah. so john shares the same as kind of sentiment as me yeah also not another question there's not many, there's only been the one question this week but peter uh sends us his thoughts saying i know donna always get is all is gonna get dumped on but I wanted to give my take because she's always been my favourite companion, even in this episode. Instead of fawning over the Doctor like other companions, Donna presents him with another aspect of humanity. It's an aspect that may be insufferable, but many humans can be pretty insufferable. It's played for laughs, but at the same time it gives the Doctor something new to play off instead of the typical companion. Donna being the best companion is a hill I will gladly die on. Fair. So that kind of echoes what you said. I respect your viewpoint there because, yeah, he's right. Like, humanity... It is. It is the a different pu- take. This is what I said. The general public are pricks, basically. Like, oh, yeah. as a collective. Yeah, you guys all suck. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about like people specifically. <laughs> but what I mean is, everyone except the Castapodians I, suck. Yeah, as a collective, you could say the human race are assholes. We are all wankers, and we're all going to die being wankers, regardless of like yeah. individual people and like how nice you try and be. Donna does represent a fair portion of the population that just don't want to take any crap from people. And, you know, fair play to her, to be honest. But also the fact that she's constantly like, will you marry me? Please, 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 please. But it is that insufferable kind of like, but you do get people like that. And, you know, I I very much agree with that point. Yeah, good, clever, well done. (laughs) There you go, Peter. That's my two cents. approval. (laughs) So, yeah, if we had to rank specials, I think we agree that Christmas Invasion is better than mm. The Runaway Bride. But Probably there is, we can't unfortunately, <laughs> there, there is unfortunately worse Christmas specials to come. Well, this is what I was going to say. But that's not, that's something we'll worry about once we get through series We three. unfortunately can't rank Christmas specials so far when there's only been two of them. But so far, this is number two. <laughs> it is number two. It's not a number two. There are, there are elements of it that are enjoyable. And, you know, we get our first dose of Donna that thankfully gets 
like to find more sort of refined and purified in series yeah. four i mean so i don't hate when i see that episode. promo the end i don't hate it either i think there is still an element of nostalgia to it and also it's it's still tenant well yeah and the russell era and the russell era mm. so i'm always gonna have a, a soft spot for yeah. it yeah um it's watchable yeah as far as as yeah as far as christmas ones go there are better ones mm-hmm. there have been better ones by this point i have have been a better one by this point but still so next up series three is fully underway this is technically series three but it's, it's also kind of not we're gonna we're gonna treat these as just this is gonna say 2006 christmas special on the i think of the, podcast. the reason why we felt like um invasion of earth was more series two was because we got introduced to the new doctor and it was it, the same companion yeah. so it's very much continuation whereas from this point on the christmas specials become very standalone, standalone. entertainment episodes rather than continuing yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Like I said, the, the the whimsical silliness of the Christmas specials. There's there's just something lovely about it. But I like it when a Christmas special goes all in, like mm-hmm. the Christmas Invasion or Last Christmas, Capaldi's first Christmas special. Uh, you know, all those years of having Matt Smith Christmas specials that were just not good, and then all of a sudden it's like, here's Capaldi's first Christmas special with Nick Frost as Santa, and you're like, whoa, that was good. But anyway, was it that's the, a story the, for many years' time. The something, the crabs, the witch, and the wardrobe. Oh, the Doctor, the Wizard, and the war- the Doctor, the Witch, and the wardrobe. It wasn't the yeah. witch and the wardrobe because that's CS. That's obviously the Doctor, the, the Doctor, the Widow, the Doctor, the Widow, and the wardrobe. That's it. I like the one with the one with Bill, the one with Bill Bailey in it. If you could, if anybody on the podcast Just, could see my face right now, worst Christmas specials. It's like huh? I was. That I've genuinely watched. I have genuinely watched that special and the snowmen. Oh, the first, uh, the first one with a uh, with with Clara with in it. Gr- Russell e. Grant. Is that his Richard, name? Richard, Richard E. Grant. E. Richard E. Grant is a, an amazing actor. But that episode. Um, and Ian McKellen as a snow globe. <laughs> Why? Like, oh, good god, Why? they just got so bad. But anyway. We've got series three to come. So Freeman Adjaman as Martha Jones. Smith and Jones is next. We're going to be up on the moon with the platoon with of the Jadoon. straw bitch. With the, st- <laughs> the straw bitch. There you go. I was going to have a question for the chat. And I've completely forgotten. I, I know what it was going to be. The chat. The I chat. The, chat. The, 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 the Castapodians. Castapodians. I'm so used to streaming, which I haven't done oh, in so long. F in the chat. Castapodians. I have a question for you. Um... And I want you to let us know what you think of this. Is this going to be a one that I have to answer first? Yes, you do. Okay, cool. Obviously, it's kind of hard to think about it because Donna returned in Series 4. But do you think Donna would be remembered in the same way she is now if she only appeared in Christmas Invasion? No. No? I don't think so. Even as as the character to tell the Doctor to stop? Because that no, is quite a poignant moment in, in the in the, the the revival of Who, but it is. But do you I think she'd be remembered you. in the same way? Do you remember it generally? Well, that that, that scene section. No, not really. Exactly, that's my point. <laughs> because despite the fact that how it was quite how monumental was Astrid? Astrid. Exactly. Who's Astrid? Kylie Minogue. Oh. <laughs> lol um yeah exactly <laughs> but this is my point like 
the Christmas specials, I don't feel like are there to be remembered. Hence why they started becoming kind of celebrity specials. Um, and kind of really bad. Yeah. It, I don't <laughs> think Donna's character would be remembered anywhere near as much if it was just a guest star of Catherine Tate for an episode. Because, yeah, okay, the the whole thing about needing someone to tell you when to stop is poignant. But how many poignant lines has Doctor Who had? Like, hundreds. So, yeah. I personally don't think anyone would have remembered Donna for that. I think it would have just been, oh, do you remember that funny Catherine Tate episode, lol? Like, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as um sort of memorable if she hadn't gone on to then be Donna in series four. Because I think the point of it now, in hindsight, is that we can look back at it and go, oh, he actually Russell T. Davies actually started doing a clever thing when he brought Donna back that referenced the runaway bride in the way that we wouldn't have got had she only been in it for one episode. But the fact that she does come back and the fact that we know she comes back and we kind of know her character and her plot point and whatever makes it more poignant that she's in this episode because it all kind of leads back to the whole, you're not special because obviously that becomes a bit of a thing through Donna's era. Yeah, that that arc we'll get to. Yeah, so it's... uh, kind of hinted at but i think had she not come back that would have just been a passing comment so yeah no i don't think she would have been but feel free to let us know on twitter yeah or maybe someplace Where's, else what's the twitter amy what's uh, the twitter at castapod at castapod indeed but yeah so we're going to be back uh, at some point next week um, I, I say next week don't I'll say be, next week I'll be perfectly it's honest never with you. next week um, it's never next week at the moment in terms of my, my work I am I am very busy As there's a huge. lot of stuff going on at the moment um, I almost, we almost didn't get a chance to record this because I might have been staying at work until God knows what time mm. tonight uh, so it may not have even happen so we'll keep you in the loop we're on a very busy the week yeah, normally I post on the Twitter the week that we stream or the uh, the week that we stream. I keep saying stream. Stop the week it. That we um, record the week that we record or the day that we record. Saying send us your questions. So normally, if you see that tweet, there's a good chance that we'll be recording it that week or that yeah. day if it's a Wednesday. I feel like so, at this yeah, point, please we... send us your answers to the question whether. Mm-hmm. Huh? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, well, I was gonna just, please feel feel free to send us your answer to whether you think Donna would be remembered in the same way if she were only in a Christmas invasion at Casterpod, Amy. Um, I was going to say, I feel like at this point we should maybe just stop apologising for the fact that we it's always a longer break than <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, just put up with it, guys. Because, unfortunately, our life is busy and things happen. And you guys know yeah. this. We literally reiterate this every time we record. No, but I, but... <laughs> you're right. Like, we apologise a lot, but in reality, nobody gets difficult. No, and so if somebody's and binging it... We can't thank you enough for that. If somebody's binging it, they're going to go to the next episode and be like, why are they apologising so much? Like, how long was it? They're not going to know how long it was in between episodes. So I'm really sorry for apologising so much, friends. We'll probably try and stop now. But just be aware that we'll probably... <laughs> try, we do try to record these every two weeks. However, at the moment, at it's minimum, more like but, yeah. once a month. So 
Next week is probably <laughs> is probably going to be a no because, like I said, uh, I'm like hella busy at work. So, so. thank but you like very said, much we'll for putting up with the spotty schedule. We really appreciate the fact that you yep. still listen. Um, and just keep in mind that we don't have any intention to stop recording these anytime soon. Oh God, no! So, like, if, if we were going to kill been, it off, we would tell you. If it's been a few weeks since we've recorded an episode, just tweet us and be like, "Hey." like you're still alive or are you like oh any idea when you're recording the next episode because we will we are getting to it and it is always at the forefront of every wednesday we always sit down and go let's record the podcast and then something will happen and get in the way so we don't yeah. intend to it's stop. never that we just think let's not do yeah. it yeah so like, like yeah. if it has been a few weeks please bear in mind that we will be getting to it and we're gonna try and never leave it longer than a month um so please bear with us thank you so much for listening we really really appreciate it and it's really like we do still really enjoy recording them like you know we were both really <laughs> eager to try and get it recorded tonight because we enjoy it um so yeah thanks and we love that you guys enjoy it yeah I'm just looking at statistics we have since we came back this is only the eight this is the eighth episode we've recorded since we came back and we've already had over two and a half thousand plays hey that's really good and for as much as this isn't really a podcast starting out, oh, you know, we got a bit of a leg up thanks to Who Culture, but, but like, another point. That's still really good. So, so thank so you. thank you all if you're enjoying this. And recommend us to your friends who like Doctor Who or are maybe going to rewatch Doctor Who or you're going to finally get them to watch Doctor Who. Why not get them to listen yeah. to our podcast at the same time? Great. Why not? <laughs> you know, not even that, you know, as much as the first set, the first lot of this podcast exists on Who Culture, it's not that I'd turn around and say, don't go and listen to it because we are still very proud of what we did. That oh, absolutely. It is, at the end of the day, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's just it got different theme music. And if anybody not, has not as good theme music, if anybody has any links to Nerd Cubed Dan, please let him know we recorded Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to have him on. That would be a that would be <laughs> the be most amazing. We wouldn't even be. It wouldn't be an episode review. It would just be like an hour of us and Dan just chatting and it would just have to be and it would be wonderful it would have to be a post watershed 18 plus episode because let's be honest dad's hardly (laughs) gonna not swear is he trust me obviously we we don't swear in this podcast if we we try not to censor it yeah um but if we could go to town on just absolutely laying into doctor who (laughs) stuff we love and stuff we don't my god you guys would need to like you probably need to clean your ears i mean afterwards. dan's patreon have a, have a shower dan's patreon doctor who podcast is literally called f yeah doctor who um so yeah that puts into perspective what his like opinion of doctor who became in the last few series but it would be he i know he loves russell g davies era and Stephen moffat's era so it'd be really interesting to like actually get him on to talk about a previous episode no it's never gonna happen <laughs> but if anybody has any links hit me up <laughs> The, clo- the, the only the closest thing I can do is because he's done stuff with Cultaholic and I can be like, I used to work with the Cultaholic guys. Do you, you want to do something? That's probably the, the best. But it's not and about you, I've wrestling. I've got a book with your writing in it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys so much for watching. Keep in the loop on the Twitter at Castapod as to uh, when we'll be uploading our next episode for Smith & Jones. Hey. Couple of Jadoon on the Moon. If you want to start sending your questions into the old Twitter account, then please do about anything quite use frankly, the hashtag whatever you send us well i mean just at us at castapod what's the hashtag or hashtag castapod do we have a hashtag castapod. it's the same it's just castapod. Yeah, castapod okay use the hashtag just castapod like, just just at castapod. <laughs> castapod makes more sense hashtag castapod but anyway thank you guys so much for listening we really appreciate all of you lovely castapodians 
Rich. Have a wonderful rest of your day slash week. You f- what? Where can they find you? Oh my God, Amy's telling me to at tell you where to find yeah. me. Find me on Twitter and on Instagram and on OnlyFans. <laughs> Not OnlyFans, sorry. <laughs> sorry. At, at PickupChangeToe. Amy, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, but I don't really tweet. Um, at Ames underscore Elizabeth. Yes. Well, as I was saying, <laughs> have a wonderful, a wonderful rest of your weekend, week, day, night, wank, whatever. However, what, uh, you, however you get off to this podcast is totally up to you. What happened to not swearing? <laughs> wank isn't a swear word. It's the big three we can't say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the rule of swearing. Okay. I guess. <laughs> Take care, you lot. Thanks for listening. Thank I'm you. I'm gonna go destroy Amy with my big sweaty baubles. Play- oh, why? <laughs> I'd already forgotten. Take about care, that. guys. <laughs> A goodbye. Gross.